You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Matthew chapter 9 is where we're going to be tonight. Matthew chapter 9. And just want to mention, too, um, that... Um, if you think about it, be in prayer for Bible Baptist Church in Stillwater. Uh, Pastor Hardy, of course, was here preaching. They were just a blessing, so thankful. They were able to be here in our services last week. Um, but their missions revival starts tonight. And so um, if you think about it, pray for that that as well. I know they anticipate it like we do here. And, uh, and just pray. want to make sure that we pray that God gives them a real good week. Matthew chapter 9. Let's go ahead and stand as you find it. Matthew chapter 9. This may be a pretty predictable uh, few verses to, to read here. Um, but just felt like I wanted to kind of give you a little bit of a charge at post-missions revival uh, charge here and make a connection to, to our faith promise and, and just try to be an encouragement tonight as we embark on a new year of commitments. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, uh, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. He sounds busy, doesn't he? Every sickness, every disease, all the cities and villages. But when he saw the multitudes, verse 36, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And then notice what he does in verse 1 of chapter 10. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. I just want you to notice the process that takes place in Jesus' life. And in, in in, in, in it's not that he, he had something that needed to be fixed. But he was also 100% human and 100% God at the same time. So the things that would affect us as humans also affected him as a human. And when he saw the multitudes, it gave him compassion. And when he had compassion, he became committed to the work. And I want to look at that process tonight and how it might help us over the course of the next year especially when we're talking about being committed to faith promise. Because, face it, well, face it, it's not always going to be easy. There will be times when we're tested in our giving. And I want just to be an encouragement with this tonight and try to help us as we look at Jesus Christ, this example from him. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we do need you. And we pray that you bless the reading of your word. And I pray that you'd help me to convey this, this thought here tonight. And, you know, it may feel a little scattered in my own head, and yet I believe it's a valid, worthy thought. And it's something to consider as we, uh, as we take steps of faith in our commitment to missions. Lord, we love you, and we need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As most of you know, my in-laws uh, were in town, Pastor Marshall Stevens and his, and his wife, my father-in-law and mother-in-law, and and we had a really good time visiting with them, and we're th- I'm thankful they were able to come. And, and, uh, and yet, they're from California, so 
sometimes they start telling stories about life in California and we forget that it's like that in some places. And uh, I, I was, I've known this for a long time, but I was reminded recently that in California on low air quality days, um, if you see that your neighbor has a fire going in their fireplace, you can call the authorities and report them for having a fire in their fireplace. I'm really glad it doesn't happen in South Dakota, aren't you? Uh, I, they were telling us that they now have three bins, if I think I've got this right, three bins for waste required in California. They've got a bin for trash, then they have a bin for recycling, which we're, most of us are aware of that, but then they also have a bin for food waste. So you're not allowed then now to put, scrape your food waste into the trash. You have to find something else to scrape your food waste into and then throw, just dump all of that into a bin um, out, out in your front yard now. So in order for, for that to happen without, so I mean if they pick it up on Thursday and it's Friday and you're dumping food waste into a bin and it, I mean imagine after a week how much, how rotting it, it's, it's getting and how gross it's getting. So my mother-in-law is saying she has a bin in the fridge with the lid and all week she's scraping food into that bin then she has to on the night before go throw that into the food waste bin out in the yard. And, and, and you can't, you're not allowed, if they see you dumping it in the wrong bin or putting food waste in trash, uh, you could be fined. I mean, is this America or not? America? I mean, is it? They also are penalizing people. My wife was telling me this morning, her folks were telling her that, that you're not allowed to, have, um, to use electricity at a higher level during certain hours of the day. Um, like if you, want to, if you need to do laundry and it's during these certain hours of the day and they see that your electricity spiked during those hours, the rate for electricity is higher so you'll be penalized for using it during certain times of the day. And then as many of you know, um, they're pushing electric cars now, big time. And um, Gavin Newsom, um, who I'm not sure, uh, I think he's a few fries short of a Happy Meal myself, but their governor is... Uh, he basically, they've signed in a law that in a few years, they won't be able to, to produce any uh, f fossil fuel run vehicles um, at all. No gas powered vehicles or diesel. It all has to be electric in the next few years. And I, I'm sure eventually you'll be fined if you have any vehicle except electric, an electric vehicle. And, and, and yet the rational thinking people uh, are thinking, um, we have rolling blackouts already. And so now we're going to require that every vehicle is now being plugged into an electrical outlet when we don't have enough power to power our state already. I mean, it's just a mess out there. It makes me thankful for South Dakota. And I'm grateful. I mean, I'm grateful for California. But my wife and my family are there. But I'm telling you, it feels like they're behind enemy lines. And, uh, and I'm grateful. By the way, I'm thankful that there are still people willing to be in places like that. Because there's a millions and millions of people that need the gospel in California too. And so, but, but it just makes me thankful that we live where we are. I'm just thinking about the electric vehicle thing and thinking about, you know, everyone's talking about sustainability, right? You hear that? It's a buzzword these days, sustainability, and usually they're talking about energy. But to me, uh, having requiring every vehicle on the road in the state of California to be electric doesn't sound sustainable when you can't keep people's power on in their houses. 
So it's, it seems unsustainable. And that sounds unsustainable to me. And I, I hate it for the people like my in-laws who have to deal with those policies even though they didn't vote on the people making those policies. Yet they're, they're having to deal with it like everybody else. But you know, sustainability, it isn't... It, now, I know it's a buzzword in politics and for energy and environmental issues and those things. But sustainability really is something to consider. The truth is... If we're going to produce anything significant in our lives, there has to be a level of sustainability to get there. I mean, if you, if you read 1 Corinthians 15, 58, and I'd like to preach on this sometime, but 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, and the next phrase is what? Always abounding. Meaning that if you want to be always abounding, you have to first be steadfast and unmovable. And you can't be you can't be like pulling up the roots of a tree every year and planting it in a different place and expecting it to sustain a good crop of fruit. No, that tree has to stay where it is for a certain amount of time before fruit can be produced. And by the way, that's that's life too. And and there are a lot of people that like, they like the novelty of something new. And once the excitement of something new wears off, they pull up their roots and they go somewhere else. No, real fruit in our lives, real fruit lasts or remains when you sustain your position for a while. Uh, that's why I'm thankful that we have people at Eastside Baptist Church who have been planted here for a long time and, and have decided just to plant your roots uh, because that's how you bear fruit in some place. You stay right where you are. You don't have to be carried about with the new novelty, the new winds of change. No, uh, sustaining requires a level of commitment and sustain carries the idea of continued or prolonged strength or support without interruption over an extended period of time. If something is sustainable, it means you can keep it going for a while without interruption. Uh, this is true physically and, and, and some of you work out or you carry heavy things sometimes. I mean, if you're carrying something really heavy, uh, you can do that for a short amount of time, but after a while, your body starts to give out, doesn't it? You can't really sustain it if it's too heavy. I remember uh, when I was a youth pastor, we went to a youth rally uh, every year called the Spiritual Boot Camp in Oklahoma. And they always did this, uh, this contest where they'd get the youth pastors up there and they would give them two 10-pound uh, sledgehammers in each hand. And, and, and the contest was you have to hold it out like this as long as you can. And at first, you know, those, those youth pastors, which are always uh, not nearly as strong as they think they are, um, are standing, no offense but Samuel, they're standing there with these two 10-pound sledgehammers, and at first they're like, this is no big deal. And then pretty soon, you start to see their hands doing this. And then, like, you know, they're doing one of these, and they say, no, get it up, and their face is turning red, and we should do that in here, shouldn't we? That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Carl, we need to have Carl. I think my money's on Carl, by the way. So, <laughs> I mean, so you know, there's, there, after a while, you can't sustain that. No matter how strong you are, your body has a limit. And your body eventually comes to the end of its ability to sustain something like that. Uh, I've, mentally speaking, for example, like in school, if you've ever been through a real intense period of, of time of, with lots of study and many tests and late night after late night or no sleep after no sleep, your body can do that for a while, 
But after a time, you need a break or you're going to hit a wall. It's not sustainable forever. Uh, I think spiritually speaking that you, you can't go long periods of time without replenishing yourself spiritually. That's a lesson we all need to hear. Um, Paul even said, though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed when? Day by day, he said. And by the way, if you're wondering uh, if there's a good biblical reason to have a daily walk with God, that's a pretty good reason right there. Because the outward man will perish, but if you don't sustain yourself spiritually, day by day, you won't be able to maintain it, and you need a daily walk, a daily renewal of your spiritual life to be sustainable. And you know, this is on my mind, uh, sustainability, because we've just come through Missions Week, and, I, and it, was, it was wonderful. It was a great week. I mean, I loved it. I had a great time, and I'm, I'm thankful for how responsive you were to the Lord working, and and our commitment, it looks like, again, we're very close to what we were last year. And, and I don't take that lightly considering, you know, the, the, the circumstances in our country and some of your job situations. And, and I'm thankful, thankful that many people took steps of faith this year. I mean, on Sunday, some of you took a step of faith. But I also, as your pastor and as, as, as someone trying to uh, make decisions uh, for the future and with our missions... I also have to think about sustainability. You know, meaning, how sustainable is that level of giving? And I ask that because I've been there before. And I've been there when I commit something that stretches me and something that's a matter of faith and, and I'm excited about it and I have momentum and only to, to have something uh, big come along that puts that commitment at risk of failure. And you've been there too. I mean, you get excited about something and you have some momentum and you, you make a commitment and you step out by faith and, and the next day is when your car breaks down. And the next, the next month is when you have a big bill that you weren't expecting. So, so you know, I'm just thinking about those things and, and how do we then sustain a commitment to souls when it gets hard? Because really, we're not just talking about, about paying a bill. We're talking about paying or, or giving to something that results in souls hearing the gospel. We're talking about giving to something that helps meet the needs of a missionary over in Germany or England um, who can't go get a second job. And we're talking about uh, this is an important matter and, and we're going to be tested. Those things are going to come up that test our level of commitment and, and so I'm, I was just thinking about that this week. And, and I think there's an important lesson uh, from the life of Jesus here in Matthew 9 that can be a help to us. See, Jesus was in full-on ministry mode right here. I mean, uh, and I'm just going to give you a rundown. Um, he's healing people. Just in this chapter alone, um, he heals a paralyzed, the paralyzed man. Remember the lame man that they dropped, they, they let down through the roof? His four friends, they drop him down through the roof because of the size of the crowd. That happens here. And then, then, and then Jesus says, thy sins be forgiven thee. And the Pharisees immediately attack him. By the way, that's the pattern when you're trying to follow Jesus Christ, isn't it? As soon as something big and something good happens and you take a step of faith, get ready for the attack. So he says, thy sins be forgiven. The Pharisees come after him. Then he goes and he sits with, with tax collectors, publicans and sinners. And he sits there and has lunch with them. And only to, for the Pharisees then to attack him for the company he's keeping. 
Then he sees a woman with an issue of blood and, he, and then he raises and he heals her. And, and he's on his way to raise a little girl from the dead. Before he gets there, um, he says, she's not, a, she's not dead, she's sleeping. And, and they start to scorn him. They mock him for it. You know, here he is trying to do right, trying to do good. And people are just giving him a hard time. Then he heals blind men. Then he casts a demon out of a, a, a mute man that's possessed of a devil. And, and if you'll remember then, um, all of those, uh, you know, it, the people in the country aren't happy with what he just did. Because he went into a, uh, a herd of pigs and they jump off the cliff and they just say, just get out of here. You know, here he is doing the work of God. And some of those are in the parallel passage over in Matthew 8. But here he is trying to do right and just, just doing what he's supposed to do. And he's going about all the cities and all the villages. And he's healing all kinds of sickness. And he's healing all of these diseases. And he's just doing right. And yet people aren't happy with it. The obstacles are coming. I mean, he's doing right, but the obstacles are coming. And we would say that Jesus was committed. We would say that Jesus was busy. And like many of us last week, I'm busy. I mean, and I'm thankful uh, that some of you, and I mean, not everybody, and, and we need to work on that, by the way. If you weren't at every night of missions revival, I mean, listen, I know people get sick. Um, but, but for a church then to take a step, I believe that God wants us to take. There should be no excuse for a, for a contributing member of Eastside Baptist Church to not be at every night of a missions revival. Now, I know, and listen, if you're sick, that's one thing. I'm not talking about that. But, but, but there are some things that we need to step up in. And, and one week a year, that's the only, t- the only time that we ask of that. And, and we ought to be here, by the way. So, you know, we're busy. I, last week, I know, though, it was busy. And at the end of the night, listen, I, I see the kids, and, and they look like it's the end of Missions Revival face, you know? And I, we used to say on the end of Sundays, you know, our kids looked like they just like did tug of war all day in Sunday school. And they're, when they're little and they're tired. And, and, and by the way, you know, I, I, and I'm not trying to just hit a bunch of hobby horses tonight, but, um, but be careful of, of, of your children being what, uh, what decides how your schedule is. I, know, I knew that wouldn't be popular. You know, I, I understand naps, but, you know, our children uh, for the most of their lives uh, didn't get much of a sunny afternoon nap at all and we survived it they survived it i mean they're a little bit strange but you know they they, they made it no i mean you, you and sometimes i think we as parents um especially new parents and you you've got a schedule and you think well I've, i we cannot break the schedule uh, they're more flexible i think sometimes than we can be and so so don't let that don't let that affect your schedule or make your decisions for you they can they can handle it and and, and yet, last week was a test of our commitment. And on Sunday, it was a test of your faith. And you put a commitment card in the plate and you essentially stated, you know, I, I'm not through being committed. I'm not, I'm not just going to be committed for a week of missions revival. I'm going to be committed all year. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to give. It's going to be by faith. Listen, I know it's a lot. It can feel like a lot. And, 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 and it was a lot for Jesus. He's weary, and, and I'm sure he was exhausted, and I'm sure he felt physically like he had very little left to give because not only was he committed, but he's facing obstacles. Because when you're committed, that's when things get hard. When you're committed, that's when the obstacles come. There are people trying to derail him, 
And, and that's going to happen to us too. There, there'll be things that come along that try to derail you from being as committed as you ought to be. And, and I, I think, again, just last week, you know, I think about some people that couldn't make it because of sick kids. And I mean, I get that. I mean, we had kids getting sick on Wednesday night. And I think about the Marples. It was their first missions revival. And their kids got sick on Wednesday night right here at church. I mean, if you're going to do it, go big or go home, right? I mean, and they couldn't, they, they couldn't make it the rest of the nights because they got sick. That happens. You know, I get it. There were obstacles, right? There's obstacles. The things that come, that get in your way and, and, and try to derail you. And, and maybe there were conflicts you didn't see. And I know that was true in some of your cases. There were work schedules. I know that's, that's, that's true. I, there were family pressure. I get that. But for most of us, that's, that's sustainable for five days. But a missions commitment, though, is for a year. Like this, is, this is a different animal. I mean, how sustainable is that? I mean, there are going to be some weeks where it doesn't feel sustainable. And when, when unexpected bills come, it's not going to feel very sustainable. And when you have a health need, I think about Brother Roger or Brother Craig or anybody who's faced a health need that was unexpected and, and now you've got deductibles or you're paying something out of pocket, it doesn't feel sustainable when those things come. You know, when we need to fix something at the house or we need to upgrade the car or just get the car started. I mean, can we, can we continue? Do you ever ask yourself, can I continue at this rate? Is this sustainable? Well, I want to just look at something that helped Jesus here sustain his commitment to the lost. Not that he was ever not committed, but it helped his commitment, we see. In verse 36, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Notice the process. See, first he saw. See, Jesus was busy. He was actively doing the will of his Father, and it's not like he was sitting on the sidelines. But he stopped long enough to see. I mean, he was busy. I mean, he had people demanding his time and demanding his attention. And it's easy to get so busy that we stop, we stop seeing souls for what they are. People that are going to spend eternity somewhere. Yeah, we see the multitudes and we may see the waves or the oceans of people. But face by face, do we consider... That, as a, that person is a soul. See, and I believe this last week helped us to see. It kind of maybe took off some blinders for a while. And when we see, we're moved. And that was happening. But then life happens. And when we stop seeing, that's when we stop being moved. And I'm just going to, you know, just telling you, our, you know, last year our trend in, in giving, we started off really strong when it comes to our missions giving. It was, it was good. We were doing well and the trend was good and and then I I was watching um, I had Miss Mary run a report for the whole year and and the whole number was good but if I was giving you a a trend line from October I mean it was about like this October November December January February March April May June July August September October so you've got over the course of a whole year you've got a good number but when you consider the trend, you know, this, and by the way, this is not an Eastside Baptist Church weakness. This is, this is a human thing. Meaning that when you first start something, 
it's easy to be excited about it. And I'm getting on board and I've got faith and I'm going to see how God does this. And we're going to let him prove himself. And, and kids, you know, we're going to live by faith and we're going to make these changes. And that's okay for a few months. But after a few months, like anything, the excitement starts to wear off. And the trend line that was up here after five or six months, I mean, naturally the dip starts to happen. And listen, I'm not greatly worried about it because we came in over but that's a trend worth watching. And, and, and it does say something about us. It does say something uh, about our ability to maintain a level of commitment or excitement. And I've noticed it, and, you know, there may be other areas, you know, and that, that, that we get excited and then it's hard to maintain. That's not a weakness just because of this church. That's, a, that's how human nature is. I mean, I mean, my kids get excited about stuff. They get a new toy or they get something new and they're excited at first. And then, you know, after a while, guess what? That toy's sitting on the shelf. Or it's Lego that I find in the middle of the night and I step on it and, and I need a trip to the emergency room. Legos can embed themselves in the bottom of your foot, by the way. So, you know, that, that happens. This is human nature. And it's easy to get excited and the excitement wears off. It can be easy to get excited about giving to missions, especially after last week, but the bills don't go away. And life doesn't get less busy. And you know, though, uh, just to help with perspective, um, the Ruckmans still have bills to pay. You know, so we may lose some excitement over it, but we've got to be careful not to lose our commitment. When we lose sight, though, of the multitudes, what happened, what helped Jesus and, and moved him was when he saw the multitudes. And if we get out of the habit of seeing, it doesn't just affect us. It affects the Ruckmans and it affects the Padillas and the, and the, the Hendricks family and the Lassiters and, and the Cook family and anybody else that we support or are thinking about supporting. It, it doesn't just affect us. Now, it's one thing, I mean, if your electric bill comes, I mean, when you first bought your house, you were probably excited about that house. And so paying your electric bill was something you just did. But I mean, but just think about it. If you treat your electric bill like you treat your faith promise missions. It's like, we've been in this house for like eight months now. I mean, the electricity is not as cool as it was at the beginning. So you know what? I'm just, I'm not going to pay it this month. You know, that would happen one or two months. They'd be calling you. Maybe. Eventually they're going to turn it off. And you know what you're going to do? You're probably going to go pay your electric bill because that affected you. But when we lose our commitment for faith promise, I mean, we don't feel it personally like a missionary would. And so it might be a little bit easier for, uh, to lose our excitement for a faith promise commitment because we don't feel it. I mean, uh, we still have hot water and we still have electricity and it doesn't necessarily affect us. But you have to understand that there's somebody somewhere else and if we don't get to, if we can't support them like we said we would, then they may not have hot water. And they may not have electricity. I mean, in the Padilla's case, they may not. I mean, when they, the, what he was talking about was going to happen over in Germany. You know, and so I'm just, you know, it, it, when it affects us, we're more likely to stay passionate about it. But when it, we don't feel it, we're less likely to stay passionate about it. So what we need to do is, just like Jesus, 
we need to make a habit of stopping to see. Because when we stop to see, that's when we have compassion. See, compassion is to be moved inwardly. It, it means you have great sympathy for the suffering of someone. You, if you've ever seen somebody that you love in great pain or great distress, then you know what compassion is. I mean, when I went to see, uh, you know, Brother Roger and Brother Craig even just this week, and I saw the road rash on Brother Roger's arm, and, man, I had compassion for him. And, I mean, I, I, I felt for him. I mean, can you imagine what Miss Sherry felt when she went to see him? When you love somebody and you see them in great distress and in great need, may you, you can't see without having compassion. The Bible says, mine eye affecteth my heart. Meaning, if you want your heart to stay engaged in faith, promise, giving, then your eye has to be involved. And you have to stop to see. I mean, Jesus was a man of compassion because he stopped to see. He lived his life meeting the needs of other people. He had compassion on the blind and the lame and the orphaned and the diseased and the poor. And, and yet, these, I mean, these people were, had nothing to offer him. And yet, because he had the habit of stopping to see, then it allowed him to continue to have the compassion that he needed. It moved him. And, you know, we think we're doing well if, if we... If we do something small, but Jesus was doing all kinds of stuff for people. I mean, his whole life was lived to meet the, the needs of people. It was a way of life, and yet he was not too busy to stop and see. What did Jesus see that moved him so? Well, look at verse 36. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. And the word fainted, it means to be weary. It means to be tired in body and soul and that describes people, doesn't it? You ever just stop and consider the looks on people's faces? I mean, my, when, like when we go to the mall, my wife and the girls, they know the stores they're going to. Jace and I, on the other hand, we know where the massage chairs are. You ever been there? Have you ever seen the massage chairs? And they, it's like they do your legs and your back and your head and everything. And Jace is too little, so the little head thing is like above him. It's like not actually doing anything for him. But we, that's what we like to do. But, you know, if you just stop, I mean, that's way better than a bench, by the way, guys. Try it sometime, okay? But, but if you ever just stop to see and watch people's faces, I mean, you'll get some compassion. If you just stop and consider the looks on their faces and consider that they're a soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere, there's a lot of unhappiness in the world. And, and it's clear that the bags they're carrying out of Macy's aren't going to give them genuine happiness and Jesus saw it he saw their countenances and he said they're sheep they're spinning their wheels and they're oppressed by the Pharisees because the Pharisees are saying you've got to do more and it doesn't it doesn't satisfy Rome was saying uh, was oppressing them and the tax collectors were taking their money and they're saying we're toiling and we're weary and when he, Jesus saw it he was moved he saw them as sheep that were scattered and they had no shepherd and and there was nobody there to care for them. And they were just wandering aimlessly. So he had compassion because he saw. And his compassion moved him to do something. See, he saw, he had compassion. Then he took action. It says he started to pray. He prayed for the harvest. He prayed for laborers. And then in verse 10, the Bible says that he sent out the disciples. And I think we see here the key to sustainability. 
the key to sustainability is not that you get pumped up every month you know, with another missions message and you've got to have somebody come and stoke your fire. No, the key to sustainability when it comes to our commitment to missions is that we continually need to put ourselves in a position to consider the multitudes. We need to see. Because seeing produces compassion and compassion produces works, action. By the way, we're going right back to the thought of our theme this year, love works. That's exactly what happened to Jesus. You know, and he loved the world. He loves the whole world. And yet when he saw the multitudes, it gave him a renewed sense of love. It gave him a renewed sense of compassion. And what did he do? He prayed for laborers. And then he sent out the disciples. And listen, if you're getting to the place in your life where giving is just a drudgery and it's hard and you don't have the excitement that you used to and you're just not really into it and you're wondering how sustainable it is, then you need to put yourself in a position where you can look in people's faces and be reminded that they are souls that will spend eternity somewhere. You know the reason I think our trend line maybe goes a little bit like this is because maybe for some of us we think that giving is all the responsibility we have in missions. But we forget that a face-to-face encounter is actually where our motivation for missions comes. And I think it's easy for us, and I call this, I've said this many times, it's easy for us to feel like we're a bankroll mentality here. Where, you know, as long as I write a check, that's good enough. Well, that's not what Jesus says. In, in terms of the, the responsibility of a disciple in the local New Testament church, I mean, what did he tell them in Matthew 28? He said, you've got to go. I mean, giving, clearly. But I believe the reason that, it's, that we lose our sustainability and our commitment to faith promise missions is because we're not balancing that giving with face-to-face interactions with lost people every day. And, and so I'm, I'm asking you tonight, how, how can you put yourself in a position over the course of the next 12 months to interact with the lost so that you maintain a heart of compassion which produces works See, if you're just trying to give and you're not thinking about it on a heart level, you'll lose sustainability. But if you want a heart for people that can sustain over the course of the next 12 months, you've got to be in a position to see souls. I just want to commend Brother Juan uh, this week. was the second time I think that this has happened where you know he, he's getting onto the campus of a local college here. and he What was the first one he went to? USD here in Sioux Falls and just set up a table and and threaten them wrestle them make them you know say if you don't come I will I'll pin you no just kidding no he just they're just gonna go show love to him right it is it's not manipulation you're just gonna set up a table and give him a water bottle and whatever it is and just say hey we're here and I'm telling yesterday he went to Augustana and did the same thing and and I'm, I'm telling you that's the kind of stuff we need to be doing because in eight or nine months, when you're writing your check for Faith Promise Missions, you're like, oh, man, here we go again. Well, if the day before you were hitting the streets and you came across a family that just moved here and they're just looking for friends, 
and they just need somebody to love them. And on, on your mind is, man, I really want to invite them over for, if they come today, we're having them over for lunch. Or I want to go back next week and I want to present the gospel a little bit more clearly. You see, then it's not just a check that you're writing. No, while you're writing a check, you're seeing a face. Because it was when Jesus saw the faces and he saw that they were fainting and he saw that they didn't have any help, that's when he was moved with compassion. And I'm just telling you, we must balance our commitment to giving to missions with a commitment to going and seeing faces. And, and you say, well, you know, winter's coming and it gets hard and, you know, it's cold. I mean, I get it. I understand. But there are places where people still are. I mean, if you've ever been to the mall, I mean, the mall walkers at, at the Empire Mall, I mean, it's a little bit intimidating. They go and they march around the stores and, I mean, if you don't get in their way, by the way, it's pretty, it's pretty intense over there. I mean, who's to say we, we can't have a, a group of Eastsiders once a week go walk the mall and try to strike up a conversation? I mean, there, there are people that live in your neighborhood on your street, some, maybe some older folks that pro, maybe they need somebody to shovel their driveway. And, and you've got a teenage boy in your house or you've got a snowblower that works really well. By the way, don't use a snowblower if you have a teenager in your house. You don't want him to miss the lessons we all had to learn, right? So, I mean, you, if you see the face of somebody on a weekly basis in your neighborhood, that'll change the way you give to missions. If you, if you go out on Saturdays, and we'll, we'll have it again this Saturday, you have an opportunity at 10 o'clock on Saturday to go, and some of you haven't been all year, 2022, it's an offer for you. We don't have very many opportunities. Why don't, you, why don't you come out on Saturday? And we're not asking you to, you don't have to even share the gospel. It may just be knock on a door and give an invitation. If that's all you can do, that's all you can do. But when you see a face, that face will stay with you. And when you write a check later, it, it's not nearly as much of a drudgery because you're not thinking about the check, you're thinking about faces. So how, you need to come up, we must come up with ways to see faces if we expect sustainability. How? Well, stop. Maybe just stop. Maybe, maybe the point is tonight that we just need to stop being so busy and we need to see people. Because you may not see a lot of people during the week, but you see them at the gas station and you see them at the grocery store and you see them when you walk down the street or you pull into your driveway and they're, they're raking their leaves. Stop. Another way to, to, to see faces is to, is to um, give out tracts. I mean, every day, just have a stack and say, you know what? My personal goal for the week is I'm going to give out five of these. You know, you can give out five really quick. But just everywhere you go, I'm thinking about how I can interact with this person on a level deeper than just, you know, I've got to go pick up my milk. And here's one that I really want to see us do and and we've done really good with Love Works internally, but I, as I've said, we've got to get out in our community. And the pastors that I've been around that, that are making a real difference and their churches are lively and growing and, and we're doing that. I'm thankful that we've got a great church here, but I just imagine how much more we could be doing if every one of us has a role that we're playing in our community. 
on some kind of a weekly basis. It's not just about work and it's not just about going to the store. No, I've got something I'm involved with and I'm rubbing shoulders with people in the community. Listen, find an outlet to be around the lost. The success of Eastside, us reaching a level higher than we've ever reached is going to be dependent on our willingness to step outside these walls and engage people in our community. Sometimes I wonder how many people in Sioux Falls know that Eastside Baptist Church exists. I think it's gotten more. It's gotten you know more visibility. We are, are especially with our young people, and they're on Saturdays have been going out and they're putting a lot of tracks on doors. But I mean, how, how, I wonder how many faces they think if they hear Eastside Baptist Church. You know, it would be great if someone hears the name Eastside Baptist Church. If they don't just think about a building, they think about a face. They think about your face. And the reason they think about your face is because you've put yourself in a position to take the time to see theirs. And and we've got it, you know, this is an encouragement. I'm trying to get us to the place where our giving is more sustainable. And I think our giving will be more sustainable if we, on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, are surrounding ourselves with the multitudes. Because if you surround yourself with the multitudes and you see people for the lost individuals that they are, I'm telling you, it won't take you much to remain motivated to keep giving. It worked for Jesus Christ. You know, when he saw the multitudes, he saw they were fainting, he was moved with compassion, and that compassion led him to say, you know, we've got to pray, and I'm going to send you guys out. So just think about how God might want you, what steps God might want you to take in the coming months to see the lost. Because again, the process is, if you see the lost, you'll have compassion. And if you have compassion, I think you'll see your commitment level rise to a point where we're making a difference in people's lives. It goes back, many, much of it goes back to love works. If you want your works to continue, if you want your works to be sustained, there's got to be something more driving you than just writing a check. It's got to start right here. And that your vision of people's faces are giving you, uh, are driving you to love. And your love is driving you to action. That's what we need. Let's stand together. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. We're going to have an invitation here. I want to encourage you to consider what steps do you think God wants you to take to where you can consistently see the lost. I don't want to just be a church. I mean, I love the fact that we're a giving church. But if, we, if all we do is give and we don't have a heart for the people next door and the people in our community and the people in the places we shop and work, and I think we have missed the, probably the largest part of missions. So maybe this is just a balancing type message and, and a reminder that if we're going to sustain what we've committed, that we must have compassion, and compassion comes when we see the lost for who they are. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for the reminder tonight. God, I hope, I hope it comes across in such a way that, you know, that Eastside knows that this pastor preaches a message like this because I don't see Eastside just being, just existing. 
I don't think we're a church that's meant to just maintain. I think that you've got greater things in store and you've got big things in, in order and you've got some really special things ahead. Father, we've got to realize that, that those things probably won't be reached until our heart level for commitment is where it, what it needs to be. And I, and I truly believe, Lord, if it worked for you, then it, it will work for us that we, as we see the multitudes, as we see the faces, as we see those that are fainting without a shepherd, that it will drive us to take the steps that we need to be committed in both our giving and our going. Lord, help us to be creative. I think of our young people Lord, help them to be creative and consider how there's a whole generation of young people in Eastside that they could reach and that I would never have an opportunity to reach, but, but they could. Help, help those that work in a place, maybe there are some here tonight, and they're the only Christian at their workplace. God, help them to realize the opportunity they have. You've, given, you've gifted some people in this room with some very special abilities, Lord, and ways to connect with people and connections that I'll never have and most of us never will, but they have it. God, help that person to realize that they might be that one answer for that, that workplace or that group of people, and, and they need to see them as souls, not just clients and not just co-workers, but souls. Lord, help us all as we go about our daily business to see people for who they are and have compassion because they're fainting and then let that compassion drive us to do more than just bankroll emissions program. God, let it, let it drive us to be a witness on a whole different level than we've ever been before. God, we just pray for you to help us to have your traits. And I pray tonight that we would in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.